Today on The Topping Show, Matt Walsh punches back, Spotify passes 500 million users, General Motors is killing the Volt, IKEA is redesigning their furniture to make it more economical and profitable, 3M to cut 6,000 jobs, Source to cancel Mother's Day, Biden officially launches his re-election campaign, one-third of Democrats are likely to vote independent, and Bud Light continues to tank all of that and much, much more on The Topping Show. Thank you for tuning in today. Today's episode of the Toppings episode is sponsored by Topping Technologies. Topping Technologies is an IT value-added reseller and services company with a special proficiency in IT security. If you're a business owner or an IT leader, you can reach them at sales at toppingtechnologies.com. See their owner at least twice a day. I have to say he's quite handsome and brilliant. He's me. That That's the joke. Again, if you need a little assistance, sales at toppingtechnologies.com. Now, going into the business part of the podcast, it was a little disappointing and sad to see that 3M, one of the largest, most famous engineering companies on the planet, is laying off about 6,000 employees. They're famously headquartered in Minnesota. And if you look at the profile on LinkedIn, so active LinkedIn profile users, as in people who are on LinkedIn and tag their account as having a link, 3M as their employer, they have 70,824 employees. Now, granted, you also have companies where you have a lot of folks that work there where they don't have a LinkedIn profile. So it's usually a good parameter of how many computer-using employees they have, per se, or folks that have their LinkedIn page for their career progression. And it usually is a good parameter for overall what's the average or what's what's the minimum for the employee count. So they're cutting about 6,000 of the 70,000. Again, not a super mathematician, but a little less than 10%. And LinkedIn does say that the product lines that are being affected the most seem to be the post-it notes, scotch tape, as well as the respirators, which also is a testament to how diverse the company is. A lot of those brands famously are actually owned and manufactured by 3M, which is one of the reasons I'm always fascinated by the small print you see on every everything you buy, where it's like, well, who actually makes this? Who owns this brand? Where's it manufactured? All those types of fun stories. And one ADHD fun story about 3M Post-it note was invented by mistake, and now it's one of the most famous products and still made in the USA. Now, they claim this is part of a global restructuring, but they're also seeing a drop in consumer demand, and many manufacturers are saying that they are finally catching up with their backlog orders. So that might be another reason why many companies actually increased employee count during COVID-19 pandemic shutdown, because you had a lot of folks ordering stuff online, because they could just sit at home and do nothing or try and work remotely to the best of their abilities. So you had an increase in demand, but they weren't used to that much demand. So they had to go out, hire more employees, increase their infrastructure. And they had all those orders being placed where they couldn't fulfill them in real time. So they had a backlog of orders. So a lot of these companies are just now starting to catch up with all of those orders. And they're also seeing at the same time, overall demand is decreasing because 40 year hyperinflation and a struggling economy and more and more banks are going belly up a lot of economic uncertainty, which is two of the things that scare the living bejesus out of investors, businesses, as well as consumers. If you don't know if you're gonna have a job next week, you're probably not gonna go out there and buy frivolous things. Well, it's, unless it's Coca-Cola, where we reported yesterday, even with raising their prices and all the economic uncertainty, people continue to buy the sugary, I mean, coarse, corn syrupy beverage. Nevertheless, 3M is also announcing this. This is in the only two months after January, January, or three months, four months, 
again, not a mathematician by trade, but in January, they announced they were gonna cut 2,500 jobs. So this is in addition to that. Now, the cut of 6,000 jobs, they know they're gonna estimate, they're gonna save about $900 million, which is an astronomical amount of capital that they can then reinvest in the business, or I don't know if they're gonna put it into a slush fund or an emergency rainy day fund, where they don't know how bad the economy is going to get. And if you rewind the clock back to do the 2008 recession that the government, well, yeah, the government caused with the housing crisis. Nevertheless, if you look back at that time, a lot of businesses went belly up and the ones that didn't were the ones who had cash in the bank or took out loans at a convenient time. I mean, you look at the automotive industry, I believe the only company that did not go bankrupt and did not take government money was Ford as well as I believe Tesla but GM went bankrupt, Chrysler was bankrupt and then sold off to European controlled Fiat. So now it's part of the Stellantis group, which is the new global company for them. But it's another economic indicator. If you have a 3M laying off that many jobs, it's not exactly good. Now, hopefully of course, all those employees get new jobs as soon as they can. They have 3M on the resume, which is a damn good thing to have. I, I used to joke when I used to work at, uh, worked for an IT company before I started an IT company, half the value of working at Hewlett Packard Enterprise is just having that name on your resume. You might get paid less than the industry on average, but just that little, well now it's a, little, it's a rectangle green logo, but just having that on your resume increases your value because it is a well-known global brand and every IT company on the planet knows that brand and they're going to be reaching out to you, recruiting you so that you'll work for them. And subsequently, that's where 99% of my wave of new hires when I worked there, they all went to competitors. And one of the reasons they were able to do that is because they had that on their resume. So hopefully the 3M employees are able to find a new job in another engineering firm or another manufacturing firm in the short term. Now, going on to other interesting businesses, Spotify just passed 500 million active users. Now, the Swedish-based company, Fascinating enough, one of the few times you read beyond the headlines and the number is slightly more impressive than you think. Because when I first read 500 million more than that, I thought it was going to be, oh yeah, 501 million, which is technically true, but less impressive. Now, they actually did pass 500 million. They hit 515 active users in Q1 2023, which is a very impressive new record. That's a 5% increase of users. And in that 5% increase, they've claim that 40% of those are paying for the ad-free subscription. So on Spotify, you can actually pay so that you don't have to listen to ads. I'm too frugal to do that since I like to put every penny I make back into the companies. Nevertheless, a lot of people do find those ads annoying, so they'll pay. And that's how the companies like Spotify make a profit someday. That's how, well, these days they're making revenue. Now that's the issue. So this company noted that they had a 27% decrease in ad revenue this same quarter. And that's another big parameter for the economy because when companies have extra cash to flow around to float around one of the most common ways they use it is marketing advertising because you can get the brand out there and depending on the marketing campaign you can show a specific return on investment others it is difficult to say the least when you have a marketing campaign such as you sponsor a super bowl or you sponsor a commercial on tv it's hard to ask a consumer, is this the specific reason you purchased this product? 
If yes, then yes, that's a direct correlation to that advertising campaign. More often than not, it's a little bit more murky and you don't know. And you also have customers that just don't want to say, I mean, there's a lot of those surveys, how many people actually complete them, where you ask, you know, how did you hear about the company and what have you? So during economic uncertainty, one of the first things they cut, because you don't want to cut your people, you want to keep them employed, that's one of the most important things. You want to keep the quality of the materials that you're making your goods out of, whether it be laptops, tables, what have you. But advertising, a lot of times, if it's an indirect marketing campaign or if it's a more difficult way to track the ROI, they're going to decrease that cost because the business might not see that immediate result on their sales because, again, it's a little bit more opaque than maybe some other traditional advertising campaigns. Nevertheless, companies are in increasing the amount they decrease. So companies are spending even less on advertising this year, which is concerning as well, especially for companies that rely on advertising to make a profit, such as Think of every tech company, Facebook, Google, ads is how they make their money. Now, it's a reason, there's a reason it's, in, it's free to you. Now, Spotify noted that they have 210 million premium subscribers, which I found astronomically impressive. And they have 317 million users in its ad supported tier. Now, that's where you have the advertisements where the consumer, the end user, doesn't actually pay. For, those app, for the app or the experience, but the advertisers pay Spotify so that their ad is played during the user experience. So that's incredibly fascinating, but even after they had they hired Joe Rogan for an exclusive contract where Joe Rogan's the biggest podcaster in history, and famously an MMA fighter, stand-up comedian, basically knows, needs no introduction for the three people listening who do not know who he is. He's that he's just that famous and accomplished. Now, they exclusively hired him, so the, the rumor is about $200 million. It was most likely an option or a mix between cash and stock. Now, they, they hired him, and that means he can no longer put his long-format podcast interviews on YouTube and other competing streaming platforms. This fact in and of itself, that contract, made millions of people download Spotify and pay for the premium. I myself downloaded Spotify exclusively for that reason so that I could continue to listen to his content because I think he has some exceptionally fascinating interviews and has a diverse number of different people who come on the show. It's great examples of pretty much every lane of life you could think of. Great entertainment experience. But even after all that, they still have not made a profit. And after a while, the investors are going to get frustrated, worried, or scared. Now, their current price per unit or price of their stock is about $138 per share and may have a significant market cap. It's about $26.7 billion. And that is big, but the competitors are increasing. You have Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all of them, I'm hot. the topping show is on as well. But how long, especially during this economy, Will they be forced to raise more funds, sell more stock? But it's impressive to see their growth, but eventually they're going to have to have that. Even Amazon eventually made a profit. They famously were a loss leader for many years. But, and the same with Tesla. Time shall tell when they actually come to that point where they need to start showing a positive on their balance sheets. Now, other interesting businesses, somewhat engineering, maybe the 3M employees will get jobs at this place. IKEA is now looking at ways to re-engineer some of their products to make them more economic or rather more profitable for them. So during the COVID-19 pandemic, they had unprecedented amount of profits 
as everyone was working from home and they decided, hey, I'm spending my whole life in this apartment, this rental house. Why not buy some nicer or newer furniture that I can enjoy more because I'm there working all day for the folks who actually buy furniture. Personally, I like to make it. Nevertheless, some people do like to purchase it and then assemble it, which is, could be a fun experience, some might say. Now, because they had such a fantastic amount of profits during COVID, they're trying to figure out how to keep those profit margins while the cost of materials are increasing exponentially. I mean, you look at this table, and part of the reason the wood was so expensive is it's 150-year-old antique barn wood. So the, the siding of the wood, the siding of the barns, they would put this red uh, painted wood on it. And so it's a little bit of a collectible, but even just standard wood, if you go to Home Depot for housing and all the different applications it has, the cost went up significantly. There was even memes of the Fast and Furious where instead of the truck carrying VCRs and TVs, they replaced it with lumber, a little homage to the very first film, which shows how long the movie goes back. The first film was about sealing the combo VCR and TV two-in-one, which you might just have to spend some time on Wikipedia to know what a VHS tape is. Nevertheless, it shows how the price of lumber now is just extremely expensive. Even zinc is increasing in cost. So specifically, Ikea noted those two things. Wood, which used to be relatively economical, and zinc, which is the most useless metal on the planet in terms of when the U.S. Treasury Department was looking at how can we make a penny where it still economically makes sense. American money used to be worth something in terms of, well, I'd say value, but also precious metals. Famously, a dollar used to just be called a silver certificate. It was literally just a promise for actual real silver. And you had silver coins, you had dimes, nickels, quarters. They were made out of silver. You have, oh, it's too small to see on the screen, but eh, nevertheless, I can go over here. So even this, which I don't know how many people see that on screen, but this is a dollar from 1853. So this is $1. It's made of gold, which means I think I was about 230 or no, $310. But U.S. currency also used to be beautifully engraved and pieces of artwork. Now, it used to be a dollar. Now, U.S. has moved away from precious metals. So the U.S. Treasury, they're looking at the penny. They were made for most of the, most of the eons or years. It was made out of copper. And copper, the price of copper has gone up significantly for its myriad of uses. It's become a semi-precious metal, some might say. It's got a lot of business applications, housing applications, I mean, pipes, electronics. Coppers, that's one of the reasons this increase in value has many applications and demands there. However, the price to make a penny, if it was real copper or a majority copper, it was more expensive to make, it was a, like nine or 10 cents to make a penny. So in 1984 or 86, they moved from 90% copper to it to 20% copper, I believe. The, someone in the comments can correct me on the specific numbers, but they decreased it significantly. And then yet again, years later, they made it so that nowadays, a penny is literally, I think it's 99.99 zinc, and then it's copper plated. So if you just scratch it with a hairpin or a knife, it'll remove that little crappy um, plating in a second. It's just mostly useless. And even the U.S. Treasury Department is noticing the price of zinc went up so that Right now, in the United States, the government, in its infinite, brilliant economic wisdom, they are spending about two cents 
to make one cent. So it costs two cents to mint a US penny, which is another reason I should probably kill it or get rid of it completely. There was a time where you actually had half pennies in the United States. You looked up on the internet that you could buy a half penny coin. But IKEA is feeling this effect now. So a lot of materials in the traditional IKEA furniture were wood and then zinc for the metals. Now they're engineering, we're looking at different solutions and what are some other economic materials that could still be have the rigidity and the strength of that. And the designers specifically are looking at how to replace that. And they found that less expensive plastics as well as recycled aluminum would suffice for many of their designs. So they're gonna introduce those in the stores. And another good example of a retailer constantly reinvesting in themselves and making the company bigger and they're growing even with a lot of other retailers going belly up. This is coming after last week, they announced they're gonna invest billions of dollars in multiple new storefronts in the United States. So there's some good news and hopefully some of the people from 3M are able to pivot into maybe an engineering role for that famous Swedish-based IKEA as they continue to marvel at all the fascinating things they're able to put together. Now, other interesting business news, General Motors is killing the Chevy Volt, which was famously one of their first commercially successful in terms of the number of units or volume that they sold, EV mini cars. And ironically, it's called the Chevy Volt because also it ironically burst into flames multiple times thanks to the battery deficiencies. So recall, not good for the brand. And Interestingly enough, as recently as last year, in 2022, they were say, projecting that they were going to make about 70,000 volts in, or volts, whatever they call bloody thing, in 2023. Now, they actually did make 44,000 in 2022, so that type of bump wasn't entirely too surprising. However, technology moves much, much quicker than the traditional internal combustion engine. So the batteries are already obsolete. So the GM is working, I believe, with Samsung now. Previously, they were working at LG for the design manufacturer of the batteries for their electric vehicles. And they found a more efficient design. And, and also, small cars are just terrible, physically speaking, in terms of the margins, the maintenance. They're usually a lost leader for a lot of these companies. When I used to be in the automotive industry, I remember the Chevy Cruze, which some people don't like it. I always have a soft spot in my heart for it because they made a Chevy Cruze Eco, which is turboed with a stick shift. And that was a rare thing. Of course, the transmission was imported from Austria for that fun little business fact. But it's a great economical car, four-cylinder internal combustion engine, and stick shift in a good old-fashioned handbrake that can actually pull, which I appreciate as well. But I remember the dealerships were talking about the margins on that, and I worked that one for a brief period of my life. And I'll never forget, when you talk about the gross margin of product, you didn't make $500 of profit on a Chevy Cruze. You didn't make $20 in profit. It was usually like negative $438, I believe. So the only way the dealerships made any money on that was financing, accessories, and then long-term service of the vehicle. And economically, that's such a difficult thing. It just doesn't add up, which is especially frustrating for entry-level consumers or consumers who are price sensitive, or they might not have a big budget for a vehicle that might be the best they can afford at the time. But it's not, the manufacturers don't like that. And manufacturers, thanks to COVID, they're used to very high profit margin items. And I remember the dealership, they would basically sell this Chevy Cruze and cross their fingers and fingers and pray that the customer would come back a couple down the, low, the road 
and they would buy a SUV, a crossover, or better yet, a truck. Trucks are ridiculously profitable if you look at the gross margin of every truck. We're talking seven to 10 grand, and that was back in 2000, I think it was 2014 when I was over there. It was a astonishing amount of gross profit because people have a visual and they have, they in, in just inherently think there's more value in it, so they are willing to pay more for it. You also, because it's a higher priced vehicle, you could also use better materials, more robust materials. So in theory, they're supposed to last longer depending on the manufacturer, they may or may not. But that's why a lot of these manufacturers, Ford got rid of their cars completely with the exception of the Mustang, partially because they make trucks relatively pretty darn good. Best selling truck in history is the F-150 series, but there's more profit in trucks than vehicles. And as these companies take multi-billion dollar risk, just for one vehicle, because the amount of infrastructure you have to have to not only just engineer it on paper, but you have to assemble it, get the mach massive machines to stamp out the panels. It's a huge investment to make a new vehicle. So go to GM.com or Chevy.com. The only car they make now that's not electric is the Malibu because they have the Camaro, but they're killing that, I believe, in at the end of this year. And then they have the Corvette, which some might say is already dead inside because it's an electric vehicle now. They have the V8 option. There are many speculating how long they'll keep it. Nevertheless, they also killed the stick shift, which made me die a little inside. The icon of American muscle and American uh, engineering. But the C the last C7 Corvette was 23% stick shifts on average between the years of that generation Corvette. And GM's just like, nah, who cares? We'll go after the people who care about the paper numbers, the zero to 60 times. Nevertheless, that's why entry-level vehicles are decreasing. So uh, one of the articles about the Chevy Volt and the Volt, whatever they call the bloody thing, going under is because they're going to make the new Silverado EV truck on that plant, which time shall tell if EV trucks are long-term profitable or good for the consumers and everyone. But there are people asking for it, apparently. So GM claims they're going to provide. Time shall tell if it's a long-term fiscally positive thing for the company. Now... Going on to the culture part of the podcast, you have Matt Walsh punching back. He recently had a cybersecurity attack where it is confirmed it was a SIM clone, where someone basically hijacked his entire life on his cell phone. So it wasn't just Twitter, but it was also his tax returns, personal direct messages, text messages. Quite a daunting experience. And he went media silent for a couple days as he handled that issue. Now, recently, you're came out with a statement on YouTube talking about how he's going to leave that platform because YouTube's telling him, put a gun to his head, basically saying, if you don't change your entire belief system, we will we'll demonetize you and we'll also get rid of you completely. And Matt's a very religious person. He does not believe that you can change your gender. So he will use someone's pronouns, the pronouns that they're born with, not the pronouns they go by with, which... Perhaps one of the best things about pronouns being mentioned these days, kids might actually learn something in grammar. Well, may I, wait, no, well, that might not be true because, nah, because now plurals are not singular. Nevertheless, the word pronoun is very popular, so grammar is being spoken about, perhaps. But that goes against his entire belief system. And I always respect a man who's willing to suffer, willing to actually stick behind what he believes in. He's apparently making $100,000 a month on YouTube ads alone. And he's, he's walking away from all that because of what he believes in, which is a scary experience because situation considering he has a big family, he's got a lot of folks to support. 
I mean, how many people could really honestly say they would do that? And then how many people would really do it when the opportunity or rather the test of character presents itself? It's hard to say. I don't think most would, unfortunately. I mean, it depends on how much faith you have in humanity, perhaps, or integrity. But to stick to your guns like that is a rare thing. Now, he also, during this release or press release or... Uh, granted, they don't use print for Matt Walsh, I don't believe. They have print media covering him. But during his YouTube statement where he told about the future, he noted that in the past week, the amount of harassment he's gotten, not only the continuous death th threats that forced him and his family to spend astronomical amount of money for 24-7 security, but physical security, that is, as well as cybersecurity, but they actually had someone come up to him and his family when they were leaving church. And the guy actually pretended to agree with Matt for a New York minute. So you had Matt and then his family was behind him a little bit. And the guy inappropriately yelled and called Matt derogatory names. And got, then Matt went to his car and the kid actually cried, go, Daddy, why, do you th why does that guy think you're bad or evil? I don't know how morally vacuous you have to be to actually go up to someone as they're leaving church and insult them in front of their family. That might be the most disgusting thing I've heard of in years. This is a time and place to have a debate with someone, and Lord knows I actually appreciate a good debate, a philosophical discussion, but to surprise someone like that, and in doing that in front of someone's family, and Matt doesn't know what this person has on them in terms of their physical threat, but that's a daunting situation that, again, is a huge testament to someone's tested character. How do you hold yourself together in that situation? But Disgusting to say no to the least. Now, I want to actually play a couple, maybe a minute or two of Matt's release. And we'll see what he thinks. The only way this changes is if the people running YouTube experience a sudden and mysterious bout of integrity or if the law forces it to change. And I'm not betting on the former, so instead I'll fight for the latter and I will take the fight all the way to Capitol Hill. Now, there is a point at the end of this whole saga. The point is that, uh, one of the most important points anyway, is that the term culture war is no mere metaphor. It's certainly not anymore. We are up against people who have no interest in debates, no interest in discussion. If you oppose them, they will not engage with your arguments. They will simply try to silence you and ruin you. There will be no rebuttals except for the ones that they issue in the form of censorship, death threats, and worse. The, the more that they perceive that you are a threat, the more that they will work to destroy you and everyone associated with you. That's the way it works. But this should not dissuade us. Okay, We shouldn't be discouraged by the viciousness of our opponents, but motivated by it. It couldn't possibly be more clear who is on the wrong side and who is on the right side. This is about as black and white as a cultural divide can possibly get. There is one side that hates the truth, rejects the truth in principle, and wishes total destruction on everyone who speaks it. All you have to do is choose the side that is not that side. Now, it may require courage to take that kind of stand, but at least you'll know where to stand. It's astonishing to think some people are wondering which side they take. I guess there might be a lot of people in the middle who are confused or don't realize what's going on or are trying to be as 
I try, I try to be a, as objective as I, po I possibly can on certain topics, but it's astonishing how much violence there is against folks just for their belief system. And there's not much, there's not much tolerance as we're told these days. There's not any confusion about this. As for my um, ongoing ordeal or ordeals, I, I should say, um, I didn't tell you all of it so that you would feel sorry for me. Okay? Pity is the last thing that I want. I chose this line of work. I chose to be in this fight. I went into it with my eyes open. Okay? I knew what I was getting into. I may get hit with a curveball on occasion. I may be introduced to new concepts like uh, sim swapping, for example. But mostly, I'm getting exactly what I expected from the vicious, bloodthirsty rage mob and its leaders in big tech. And it has not dissuaded me even slightly. I still will not back down by an inch or compromise at all. I've told you many times that I would rather be dead than surrender to these people, and I meant it. So to all the people who are sending me death threats and posting my home address and hacking my accounts and trying to blackmail me and threaten me, giving away my personal information, mass reporting me to get me deplatformed and all the rest of it. I want you to know that nothing you have done or will do or could do will ever make me shut up. It will never happen. None of your schemes have worked or can ever work. It is all futile. Your efforts are hopeless. The truth is the truth. And I will never pretend otherwise. I am not here to make a martyr of myself. I don't want any of the good guys to be martyrs. I want us to win. And we will. That'll do it for this portion of the show. So needless to say, one of the few people that you could see on social media, you could see that isn't being, taking intimidation lightly and continues to stand by his morals and convictions. A rare thing in 2023 becoming more and more rare in every day. Now, as he's continued to transition from YouTube to different streaming platforms, he's putting it on Twitter, interestingly enough, and Twitter is opening their long video format, which is gonna cost them an astonishing amount of money for the infrastructure needed to actually store that data when Elon is trying to make the company profitable. Now, his video, he posted one of his episodes on Twitter, it already has 400,000 views for about an hour long video which is astonishing for that to happen on Twitter where most videos might get a couple hundred hits, maybe a few thousand, but to have a one hour long video get that much attention is huge. And that's not it. He also has platforms on the Daily Wire, his primary employer, where they stream his content as well. So it's not just 400,000, it's also in addition to those as well. And it sounds like he's gonna be going on Rumble as well, which is a YouTube alternative that's quickly growing exponentially as well. So it'll be interesting to see what Matt does from here. Now, other interesting culture news, several stores are canceling Mother's Day. Now, you have dozens of companies that are preemptively canceling it with email opt-outs, saying that they are, quote, unquote, concerned Mother's Day is a sensitive day, saying it could be triggering. My fingers nearly broke with the amount of quotation mockery I was doing. But you're seeing this more and more. You actually have voted elected officials in Congress no longer using the term mother, they're using the term birthing person. So that's actually recorded in the U.S. government 
in the intellectual conversations those politicians have. I say intellectual with utter, with the most disdain I can or most comical note I can because I don't see many philosophical conversations and enlightening conversations on Capitol Hill these days on both sides of the aisle. Unfortunately, usually it's just a shouting match which has the intellect of an elementary school class is yelling at each other on which superhero is the best. Nevertheless, you have companies that include Kroger, Walmart, Fry's Groceries, K Jewelry, DoorDash, Levi, and Bye Bye Baby, which a company that sells baby products, you would think they would believe in something called a mom or a mother. You would think. Now, granted, that company is also bankrupt because Bed Bath & Beyond owns Bye Bye Baby, and they went bankrupt, I believe, Monday this week. So they are doing Chapter 11 bankruptcy, so they can stay open as they liquidate all of their assets. But another fascinating thing on the cultural turn, will they do this with any other topic? Will they do this with Father's Day? Many are pessimistic on why they are singling out this particular day year over year. And it certainly seems coordinated. It's not one or two companies. It's almost as if there's a copy-paste for a lot of these niches. And a lot of people are wondering why. Time shall tell if this affects their businesses in any way. I there doesn't seem much to be there doesn't seem to be a visceral concern or many people that are upset with it, oddly enough. It's a lot of people are just kind of taking it in stride. So it'll be interesting to see if it has any effect on their sales or if it just kind of blows up over as some marketing campaigns do. Now, going on to the politics part of the podcast, you have some are saying finally, but Biden officially launches his presidential run because people are there's been four to five different GOP nominations, or not nominations, there are four or five people on the right who have thrown in their hat into the ring. And a lot of people, Biden was actually saying he was waiting for it to be the one year anniversary, or not the one year, the four year anniversary for when he first announced his presidential nomination, when he was going against uh, in the incumbent presidency, Donald Trump. And Biden is setting records. He is the oldest president in history to seek re-election. He's currently... 80 years old and it, it was not a live event he did do a recording and spoiler alert it is a cliche political speech or political campaign commercial that people on the right and the left do where you have the almost a comical amount of usage of dramatic music and you have the ooh the bad music and the good music making your side of the aisle look brilliant smart and as a savior to the country which has become such a cliche in and of itself. You could probably just write this into ChatGDP, America President commercial, and they would all be the same. You just flip the colors of red versus blue and a couple of the images. Nevertheless, let's watch this. It's about, it'll be entertaining. Ooh. Ooh. So a lot of peaceful protests in the middle, and you also have a sign that says abort. Abortion is healthcare, according to this protester that they're highlighting. Freedom. Personal freedom is fundamental to who we are as Americans. We agree on that. Most people do agree on that. Now, which freedoms are you talking about? That's probably where people have divided opinion. Nothing more important, nothing more sacred. That's been the work of my first term, to fight for our democracy. This shouldn't be a red or blue issue. 
to protect our rights, to make sure that everyone in this country is treated equally. Everyone should be treated equally. Yes, I whole every American should agree in that. That's a fundamental American philosophical meaning or philosophical thing to hold to heart. That's not what I've seen in the past couple of years in terms of the prosecution and the shoot. Look at Donald Trump being sued into oblivion, actually being charged federally. When you have previous presidents that were not charged with the same the same or similar charges, but they were they were all let off the hook. Objectively, that doesn't sound fair for everyone. If only one person is being held to a different standard. But that's just my three cents. It used to be two cents, but inflation is crazy. Who's given a fair shot at making it? Now, everyone, he says everyone has to have a fair shot at making it. That's, that's how it's all, that's how it is. That's America. More immigrants start businesses than people who are born here. It's the place for opportunity, bar none. With a couple hundred bucks, you could start an LLC, you could start a business. No one cares what you are in terms of your you know, ethnicity. It's all about what your business is providing to the consumers. Are you providing an exceptional product or experience? So I don't know, maybe he's, maybe he's going to decrease the tax rate for businesses, nothing to encourage more entrepreneurial spirit. Now that would be a good idea. But you know, around the country, MAGA extremists are lining up to take... Ah, MAGA extremists. So you had a picture of, I think, MG, Marjorie, Marjorie Taylor Greene, um, Trump, and DeSantis. Now, very few people think DeSantis in particular is an extremist. A lot of people see him as more center, especially when compared to Trump. He's more issues. He's more center than not. On those bedrock freedoms. Cutting Social Security. You we need to do that. That's a Ponzi scheme. Read... Just go to the definition of a Ponzi scheme. Social Security is not long-term. It's defunct. The money's been the money was stolen years ago by other politicians. But the idea that the government is smarter than you when it comes to savings is clearly inaccurate. So, but few politicians have the temerity or actually the backbone to say this is this is a defunct, bankrupt idea morally as well as fiscally in terms of your take. You think you're better than the people in terms of savings, but. It's also bankrupt fiscally as well. You paid for your entire life while cutting taxes from the very wealthy, dictating what healthcare decisions women can make, banning books, and telling people who they can love. Now, if you actually read what books are being banned, they're being taken out of schools, and they're ones that have sexual acts depicted in them. They're actually books that, if you were to read to a child at a public park, you'd be arrested for sexual assault. So, when it comes to these books they're talking about, yeah, I don't think elementary schools should have them. And again, it's not banned for taxpaying citizens. Again, clarification. All while making it more difficult for you to be able to vote. Oh, good music. Now he's showing good stuff, his side. When I ran for president four years ago, I said we we're in a battle for the soul of America. That and is we still cool. are. The question we're facing is whether in the years ahead we have more freedom or less freedom. That's actually a good point. Both sides. You could, again, copy paste that point. People on the right could use that in their campaign commercials as well. More rights or fewer? I know what I want the answer to be, and I think you do too. This is not a time to be complacent.
That's why I'm running for re-election. Because I know America. I know we're good and decent people. I know we're still a country that believes in honesty, respect, and treating each other with dignity. That we're a nation where we give hate no safe harbor. We believe that everyone is equal, that everyone should be given a fair shot to succeed in this country. A whole, again, a statement that is a brilliant political statement. No one is going to disagree with that. And they shouldn't. It's a fundamental thing. Again, a fundamental thing about me being an American. But that's not the practices that many are seeing these days. Thank you for choosing Thank us. You. Every generation of Americans has faced a moment when they have to defend democracy. Stand up for our personal freedom. Stand up for the right to vote and our civil rights. Again, the voting issue, more people voted in the 2020 election than ever in American history. I don't, it's one of those weird things that people keep using as a political tool or a club to beat the opponents with. More people voted than ever before, ever. So I don't see that as being a legitimate concern. And this is our moment. Oh. Fireworks and American flag. Again, Republicans could just copy paste it. So he is officially in the ring. Will he have a blowout election where last year is mil he won by a margin of millions of votes? Not last year. Last presidential election cycle, he won by a huge margin in terms of the number of votes cast. Now, interestingly enough, another poll that was released and performed by Rasputin, they said that one-third of Democrats were likely to vote independent in 2024. And they said of that one-third, a third of that... So a third of a third, they said they were very likely to vote independent. Now, they did the same poll with Republicans. Republicans, they said that 23% are also interested in voting independent, which is good because independents are always good in terms of force every political person to actually do what they're supposed to do and actually care about you. In theory, if everyone were to vote third party, Democrats, Republicans would probably increase their performance because they realize they have to do what's right for the people. Unfortunately, you do need a catastrophic high amount of resources to become president and also to run as an independent. The only person that's gotten close in history is Ross Perot. And in that case, a lot of people argue that he took away votes from the right that would have won the election. But it, this poll also reflects that concern. Now, this poll says 48% of Democrats think that a third party would be bad because it would take away vote, votes for them, and 50% of Republicans have the same concern. 
which you should be concerned. If the other, just like capitalism, if someone's doing better than you, you should probably increase your performance to earn those votes or actually appeal to the people you're supposed to be campaigning to. Now, time shall tell if there's a, a really inspirational third-party candidate that can get nominated. Just getting nominated is unfair. I actually interviewed someone on the Talking Talks podcast, my interview podcast, and he was a former candidate for the Libertarian Party in Illinois. And he told me that they had to get more signatures on the ballot, just or more um, campaign when they were campaigning, they actually had to get a greater number of signatures in order to get on the ballot. So and it wasn't just like 10% more, they needed twice as much as Republicans and Democrats. So it's not just one party that seems to be putting the scales in their favor, it's both sides, which doesn't sound fair at all. So time shall tell if you have someone really inspirational drive that attention and really get some support for a third party nomination. Now, going on to the business blunder of the day, this is one that may be in the work. It's been in the news for quite some time. I'm calling it a blunder now because we're getting some hard sales data, but we are also seeing some of the company's response confirming that they themselves realize they messed up. So Bud Light sales continue to crash and executives are worried and they're laying the folks off. Now, I say laying off. They said that not only is Alyssa Heisenstein fired, or rather put on paid leave, or unpaid leave, which time shall tell if they ever come back, her former boss, Daniel Blake, is also being put on unpaid leave for an indeterminate amount of time. Again, a timid answer to the situation or response to the situation. Either fire them or not. A lot of people are speculating if they're just on unpaid leave, maybe they'll just come back, maybe in a couple months once the situation dies down, they just quietly bring them back to the office. But the sales data is getting more and more concerning for them. Now, last week's data noted a 17% decrease in sales for dollar and a volume, a volume decrease of 21% for the week ending April 15th. Now, the week ending April 8th, Bud Light had a 6% drop in sales and 11% drop in volume. So the situation is getting worse even after their inauthentic, cliche, patriotic commercial with the Clydesdales and talking about 9-11, which, again, look at your watch. It's been quite some time, probably not. It's been quite some time, and it's also trying to use that to bail yourself out of the terrible situation, the hole you dug yourself. No one on the left or right appreciated that. They didn't see it as authentic at all. Now, so let's summarize that. The first week, they had a 6% drop in sales, 11% drop in volume. The second week, they had a 11% drop in sales, and a, no, 17% drop in sales, and 21% drop in volume. It's getting worse and worse. So first week, you had a 6% drop in sales. Second week, you had a 17% drop in sales. First week, you had 11% drop in volume. Second week, you had a 21% drop in volume. It's gotten to the point where distributors for Anheuser-Busch are canceling marketing campaigns and events. And they had a quote-unquote emergency, emergency meeting with the company in Washington, Washington DC yesterday, probably to frustrate, to communicate their frustrations and their concerns, and also ask the parent company Anheuser-Busch, what are you gonna do to dig our way out of this brilliantly this, this massive hole you brilliantly self-inflicted. You shot yourself in the foot twice now, Bud Light. Well, parent company Anheuser-Busch. 
they had the marketing campaign that didn't appeal to their core customers and actually frustrated those core customers. And so that's the first shot in the foot. And then a couple weeks later, the CEO comes out with that statement that was almost like a copy paste from a politician where it did not address the problem. It basically just said, we're a great American company. We play Americans. We, we, we never want to get in politics, which it's a little late for that when Alyssa chose to do that with that marketing campaign. So that was another shot in the foot because no one, and that, that, that apology or that pseudo apology, that press release by the CEO pissed off people on the left. So the people she was trying to appeal to, now they're angry as well. So now no one is a fan of this situation and you're seeing a greater number of Americans agree with the ongoing boycott. So this is a business blunder of the day. It's perhaps worse than New Coke when they almost went bankrupt with their changing of the formula. Time shall tell if this is the, again, let me know in the comments, would you like a business blunder of the year? But nevertheless, certainly for the day, this is a business blunder of the day. Thank you everyone for tuning in today. Cannot thank you enough for like, subscribing, and commenting. It helps the channel grow as well as we appreciate the feedback. And also, don't forget to tell your family, tell your friends, tell your coworkers, heck, tell your enemies, tell anyone and everyone to stay safe and fight the good fight.